1: Welcome, everyone, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 16. I am your host, Brandon Loring. Alongside me, I do have David Halman and Brandon Clements. Chris Holling is doing his best Steve Martin and John Candy impression. He is heading home for the holiday, so he isn't here right now, so it's just us tonight. I appreciate you guys holding down the fort. Last week, I know, Howman, you gave the great intro uh, with me having a little bit more of like a Super Bowl hangover after the Eagles win at home. Um, I had some things to take care of, so thank you guys for taking care of that. Unfortunately, though, when I come back, it seems like everything falls apart. The Cowboys lose in shocking fashion in Buffalo to the Bills by a score of 31-10. to Very similar to kind of what happened earlier in the year against the 49ers. Um, to me, the only thing that was pretty about Sunday's game was that Brandon Aubrey continues to be perfect on the season 31 for 31 now so I mean that's pretty impressive but outside of that there's nothing else that I can really say before deferring to you guys about your initial reactions and like we always talk about on the writer's block it's, it's more of a therapy session sometimes when we get together and this is just one of those weeks so B1 I'll start with you because you were actually on site uh, for the scene of the crime you and Chris Holland got to link up and again for people kind of peeling back the curtain a little bit we don't know each other in person all this has been is just all virtual we're in different parts of the united states here so the fact that brandon and chris were able to link up is is pretty awesome so uh what was your reaction being there before the game after the game and everything in between
2: yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and, and to your point, like we haven't all met in person. So we've 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 got to know each other through the great technology that we have these days where you can sit here on these Skype channels and, and do different uh, video chats. Yeah, Chris, it was great because as we know, Chris is a Carolina guy and uh, he moved up close to my neck of the woods. As we discovered, you know, he, you know, he got a gig up here and he's about an hour and a half from where I'm at in Syracuse. And uh, the dominoes just kind of fell in place, you know, Dallas, Dallas is coming to Buffalo and, you know, I got tickets and, you know, the missus and I were planning on going and Chris and Chris and I just kind of talked and he got a ticket to the game. Unfortunately, we didn't get to sit together. Just, it just didn't work out that way, but we sat close enough. And uh, since he was on the way, it was perfect. So him and I, uh, I and mean, then I set it up. He actually got in my car, and well, when I first met him, I didn't, you know, I stood next to him, and I'm like, geez, this is a this is a tall kid." You know, he's he's uh, just for all our our great listeners. Chris is a six foot six guy, and I'm five foot eight. So if you guys go to the uh, the you know the at, uh, icebreaker twenty one, and then uh, Chris Hollen underscore, go to you know check it out. Like you could see, I'm an average size guy, and Chris is a very tall dude. So he he made me look very short. But, uh yeah it was it, we had a great time we uh, we we went to uh got some great wings at a, at a spot I won't put the put the name out there cuz it's you know I'm not giving them free advertising but we went to a great wing spot close to the stadium and uh, it was packed it was packed to the gills and I'm telling you Cowboys, Cowboys nations came out 30. It was about, I would say, you know, 30, 35% of the stadium was Cowboys. You know, Bill's fans might disagree with me on that, but it was, we had a lot of Cowboys fans. We interacted with a lot of great people. A lot, we met a lot of great Cowboys fans and, you know, we, we, you know, obviously dropped the uh, blogging the boys out there, of course, to get some, you know, get some love. A lot of people actually, you know, a lot of people love, you know. They're like, "Yeah, we know Bond and the boys. We know, we know about you guys. You guys do a great job." So it was, it was good to hear that from Cowboys Nation, and um, the atmosphere was fun. You know, it, it, the weather was crazy. It like downpoured. It was, it was, it was nuts. We, you know, we, I actually, we got into the stadium late, you know, not late, but like later into the pregame, you know, warm ups. we didn't get in as quickly as we could. Cause I didn't see Brennan Aubrey's 58 yard field goal and warm-ups, but I did get in there in time to watch him miss a, I think it was like a 25, 30 yard field goal. He stoinked it. So I was kind of nervous to see that. And I actually caught it on video. I sent it to our, uh, our chat, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was weird. It was uh, that, that, that first part was like, Oh, that was interesting. And then, I get to the seats and uh, come to find out I was, just, I was in the wrong section. So I had to move. So that was, that was fun. Uh, these nice, I will say Buffalo bills fans were fantastic. Um, I was, I was one section over. I would, I had to like go across the aisle and these, these season ticket holders were fantastic. They were just like, yeah, you know, move on over. You know, they're, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm over here. I mean, I was like section 139, So I was in the corner of the end zone, which it was a great vantage point. So like, they were nice. And then I, you know, I get in my seats and I'll be honest with you it it all started to, for me on that first drive where James cook like was stuffed. And then like they pushed him 10 yards down the field. They just bullied their way. And I'm like, Oh God, this is not good. This is not a good start. And as we saw by the final score, 31 to 10, and, you know, obviously 31 three for a good portion of that game. It was not pretty. I will say halftime was a little more, um, a little crazy for me. So it was very rainy. The conditions were, you know, the. I don't care about the conditions because I'm I'm an upstate New Yorker. I'm a, I'm a Central New York guy. So like, it's not snowing. So it was rain. Fine. It was great. I loved it. I just put the hood on. We were good to go. But the unfortunate part is about my experience. You know, I'm sitting. You know, you know and the the best part is obviously I'm sitting with my wife. Obviously, the unfortunate part of the experience was. I went to reach for my pocket at halftime to grab, you know, grab my phone, just check, see if I can see any updates, you know, what's going on with Zach Martin, for example, because he, you know, he, you know, he had the quad situation. And uh, as you, you, I mean, the listeners can't see it, but I'm showing you guys on screen here. I have my ring on my finger. Uh, there was a short time there where my ring, my, fi- my, my ring fell off my hand, my finger. And, uh, I lost it in the stadium Oh. and oh. yeah, it was, I, I heard it. It was like ping, ping, ping. Cause you know, this, you know, it's, it's, it's tungsten it, and, I, and it, so it fell and these great Buffalo Bills fans were like, they're like three rows in between. Like they were, you know, they did me a solid because the guy next to me was a Bills fan. And I'm like, I, you know, I looked at him, I whispered cause my wife's next to me and uh, I whispered and he, you know, I said, Hey, uh, I kind of, I kind of just dropped my ring. And he's like, and then he announced it. It was, it was hilarious. He's like, Hey, we got to help this guy out here. And then my wife looked at me like, what did you do? So then, you know, obviously she's like, what, you know, what the heck? So, uh, you know, long story short, everybody was looking around, like in this area, it was like five, 15, 20 people, like a search party and it's dark out. So we all had our flashlights on our phone, got the ring. My, you know, my wife didn't put me on the couch. So it was a positive and the the lucky guy who found the ring asked me to you know you know asked me to you know marry him so that was that was interesting. <laughs> I think he had a few cocktails. So for you know b- me being the way I am, he found my ring. I went up to the concessions. I bought him a nice uh, adult cocktail. So he was very very thankful. The Bills fans were great. I, I honestly, I was very I was I was I felt great. Like they were talking smack, you know Dak Prescott and everything like that. But it was it, you know it. It was fun. The Bills fans, they can be a little rowdy, but overall, I think part of it was because they're kicking the crap out of us. Like it was just a you know, that they just bullied us all game. It was just you know, as a Cowboys fan, it was it was tough, but I'm so glad I was there. The the experience, an NFL game, I haven't been to one in a few years. So it was it was a great experience. I know I know Chris, you know, Chris and I, you know, we had we had a lot of fun uh, you know, talking, you know, talking shop. We you know, we ran into some people. We just you know, we just we had a good time. The only, the only downside was, you know, the, it was, well, there's two downsides the, the, the Cowboys got their butts kicked and then it took us two hours to get out of the parking lot. But another, n- other than that, it was a fun time. And uh, I'm just, you know, I, you know, I'm just glad we got to have the experience and I wish Chris was on. I know he's, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's on his way, way back home, but uh, you know, it would have been, you know, we had a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully we can do some sort of blogging the boys or even a writer's block summit Get to a game somewhere and just, just meet up. Have a have a Blogging the Boys meet up. And, and that goes for all Cowboys Nation. Talk to a lot of great fans. You know, Anytime I go to a Cowboys game, I want to meet as many Cowboys fans as possible and obviously make sure if they're not paying attention to Blogging the Boys, they are paying attention to Blogging the Boys after we're done because Blogging the Boys is where it's at, baby.
1: Uh, that That's an awesome story. I'm happy that you guys had a great experience, especially with the fans because you never know, it could always be hit or miss. Uh, but I'm happy that when you drop the ring, you're able to find it. Hammond, unfortunately for the Cowboys, they dropped their physicality and they weren't able to find any sort of physical nature about the team. The defense was being run over all game. The offense had nothing to to say about the the Bills' defense. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is that this Jekyll and Hyde situation that they have when they're playing at home and when they're on the road, they just haven't looked like the same team. And that's not me just saying. I mean, Mike McCarthy came out and said, listen, there's a gap between wh- how we play at home and on the road. Um If you had to rank this loss compared to the one at Philadelphia, San Francisco, Arizona, is this the worst one of all of them? And maybe take where it is in the season out of it, just the overall what you saw um, happen for the Cowboys.
3: Yeah, I think – well, well, first of all, I think um, Brandon's story about dropping the ring is kind of a bad omen for how the Cowboys kind of dropped their chance at getting a ring. (laughs) Bring it full circle, also like a ring. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I think – this is probably i would say this is their worst loss of the season just because of the implications that it has um, obviously now that the the chances of being able to win the division, being able to get the number 1 seed, those have dwindled a lot more and you're running out of time compared to some of the other losses where you you know you had another chance at the eagles, you know the the 49ers and the cardinals was so early in the season it's like well so much so many other things can happen but also i think just because you know, the, the Cowboys, um, since that 49ers loss, have been a different team, you know, especially on offense. The defense has, you know, had some some ups and downs here and there but for the most part they've played like we expect from Dan Quinn's unit. But the offense just absolutely took off from that point. And, and they were, you know, Mike McCarthy was calling a great offense. Dak Prescott was playing MVP football. You know, everything was just working so well. And even in that loss to the Eagles, it was like, you know, things went well. Like, they played well. It was just you know, a game of inches, things didn't go their way in a couple of key plays. And you, you kind of felt a certain level of confidence. And even when people would say like, well, you know, well, you still can't beat the 49ers. It's like, well, you could say the Cowboys haven't played the 49ers since they got their offense rolling. So who knows how that goes in a rematch, but now, you know, you go, you know, on the road and you have to play Buffalo. um, And they played like they did against the 49ers. Like, it, it was it was that level of of disappointing performance. And with it being on the road, um you know that that's that was difficult to see because it's like, well, they've already figured it out. They know what the secret to success with this team is and with the personnel that they have. and they just got clobbered by the bills. And now it's you know significantly more likely that they're going to have to play on the road in the playoffs probably going to have to go either on the road to San Francisco or on the road to Philly, similar environments to what they just had with the Bills. Um, and, and if that's how you play in that kind of situation and in, in kind of a have-to-have-it situation, that doesn't bode well for your playoff chances. So nah, not to be too dour, but you know you also did say this is a therapy session. So that's, that's the things that are weighing on my mind uh, in, in the immediate aftermath of this game. Um, I, I do want to say, in an effort of, of of solidarity with our two co-hosts that were there at the game, I did take a big bucket of water and splash it all over myself <laughs> at the start of the game, just so that I also felt like I was there and I was I was freezing and, and you know, just dripping wet. And then watching the game, I don't think I had as much fun as as they did, though.
1: Uh, man, how am I going <laughs> for the full immersive experience? Um, you know, I did, I certainly didn't do that. Maybe, maybe that's why they lost. Maybe it was just we should have all done it together, and we would have been uh Way getting go, some magical powers uh, towards the Cowboys. But I, I, think from my reaction, sort of similar to what you guys were talking about. It's like. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Similar sort of what you get from a reaction when your parents are yelling at you as a kid. It's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. And somehow it cuts deeper when they say that, like when they, when they're mad, it's like, okay, you know, fine. We'll, we'll make amends. We'll get over it. We can move on. But when you're disappointed, it's just, it's a whole nother level of something where you feel like you let somebody down and, um, the other thing I want to mention too, is like the Buffalo bills are a really good team. We talked about that. I know you guys certainly mentioned it as well. And in passing last week, everybody's been talking about it, how they are not what the record says that they are. And I think that they were playing better in the previous weeks or at the past few weeks than they were all season. We know that Josh Allen and the Buffalo bills in general are better at home than they are on the road. But I think the biggest thing is like, you know, the Cowboys are, they were at their peak power given the circumstances of losing Leighton Vanderesh, losing Jonathan Hankins for a little bit of time, of course, losing Trayvon Diggs. But outside of that, like everybody was relatively healthy. I know the flu was going around a little bit. Um, we know Malik Hooker was out in the game. But outside of that, like, Dak Prescott was playing at an MVP level. Micah Parsons and Deron Bland were kind of fighting for Defensive Player of the Year. And a lot of fans were looking at this and saying, like, this is the best that we've seen of the Cowboys in, in this bubble, in this vacuum. And, you know, can they beat a team on the road? And the fact that they didn't even keep it close, like even the Philadelphia game, it was a lot closer. It's a divisional opponent. Granted, the Buffalo Bills are an uncommon opponent. You don't face them very often. The last time they played them was on Thanksgiving back in 2019. So it's been a lot of time. The teams have changed. But when you look at just the both teams in general, like you would have loved to see if the Cowboys didn't even win the game just for it to be competitive like the Philadelphia Eagles game, but to actually be just from start to finish. And it seems like it's a common theme now in a lot of Cowboys games. like You can tell within the first few minutes of the game where it's going to go, whether it's going to be a blowout, whether if it's going to be close, like back and forth, like it was against the Seahawks. Um, I just think from start to finish, I said, oh, man, this is not going to go well for the Cowboys. They're just being beaten off the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. The offensive line, for all the credit that they've been as pass protectors, Dak Prescott was running for his life. And the other thing is, I look at the Buffalo Bills' defense. They are missing a lot of players, too. Matt Milano's gone. Uh, Tredavious White is gone, their corner. Uh, Micah Hyde wasn't playing. Um, A.J. Epinesa wasn't playing. and He's more a rotational pass rusher. But this defense wasn't really putting it together. But the fact that they were able to do it against the Cowboys' offense, make it look pedestrian like it did against the 49ers, that, to me, is just a disappointing thing where you're trying to carry momentum into the playoffs. We know that the Cowboys are in the playoffs. you know, We know that's a guaranteed, but now it becomes a seeding issue. And if they have to go on the road in the first wildcard matchup to the second seed, whether that's Detroit, Philly, 49ers, you don't feel good about that. And then if they do actually you know, become the fifth seed, you go on the road to the NFC South, potentially. And then after that, like you said, Hellman, the road to the playoffs becomes... You know, on the road, it's not like they're going to be hosting a game unless the sixth or seventh seed has some sort of miracle run, and then you might host one, maybe two games. Uh, but I just, like I said, I think it was just a disappointing effort. Um, we'll see what this means moving forward. I think the Cowboys have shown they can adjust and bounce back very quickly. Mike McCarthy has never lost back to back games, I think, outside of uh, the 2020 season, going back to 2021 just once. Um, so I think you could be positive and say that they will bounce back. But it remains to be seen. The Miami Dolphins are a very tough team. I think that they are physical and also fast. So how does that mix in with where the Cowboys are at? And, oh, yeah, it's on the road for Christmas Eve. So it's one of those things where remains to be seen. We'll see what happens this week. I From what I've heard on Monday, you know, between Mike McCarthy and all these things and the coaches, it sounds like Dan Quinn's really ready to get back and, and prove that that's not who they are. So I don't know. But this sort of leads into the game where we're trying to answer a lot of questions, a lot of statements that were thrown out there. Um, Sticking with the holiday theme, we're going to do how the Grinch ruined the Cowboys season. Uh, And I will be playing the role of the Grinch, but not in things that I believe. I think there was a lot of talk around social media over the past 24 hours. Again, a lot of therapy sessions being thrown out there amongst Cowboys Nation. Um, So I pulled a lot of tweets, comments from bloggingtheboys.com with just some overall statements about the Cowboys, where they're at, and Brandon and Howman will be playing the role of Cindy Lou Who or Max the dog where they're going to believe in what the Grinch says or they're going to try and change the narrative spin it in a positive way this way next week for Christmas. It's not as depressing as what we think it could be. So with that said, I will get to the first statement and I say to you Howman first, uh, this version of the Cowboys will never be able to win another game on the road for the rest of the season. That means they will lose at Miami at Washington and then in the first round of the playoffs. Do you believe that or not?
3: I have a hard time believing that, um, just because, at the very least, that that road game against Washington. I mean, you, you could always say, well, maybe that's a game where you know they maybe they pull their starters or or do what they did last year w- with the final game in Washington, where it's like they played their starters, but they weren't you know really trying too hard to win that game. Um, but even then, I mean, the Washington Commanders are so bad right now, and. You know, there's there's like reports that the coaching staff already knows that they're out and everything. And, like, we, you watch the players play, and they just got officially eliminated from the playoffs too. And they look like a team that knows that it's all over after this year with the current regime. So, like, you got a good shot there. You also got a good shot against Miami. I know the Dolphins are are flying high, and, and they have the potential to be, you know, one of the very best teams in football. But, um, you know, one – their defense has been vulnerable in the past, and and there's you know good offense have been able to beat them. Their offense has been kind of inconsistent the last few weeks, um, and then also there's the, the the added aspect of the Cowboys coming off a loss and how good they've been coming off a loss under Mike McCarthy. So I think they got a good shot there. And then you know if, if they're playing on the road in the first round of the playoffs, they're playing whoever wins the NFC South, and that's kind of like. That's a hot potato race right now. It's like those three teams are like, I don't want it, you get it. I don't want it, you get it. like, the Falcons looked like they had the inside track, and then they complete. I mean, they lost to the Panthers this week. Like, how do you do that? And and that now it's the Buccaneers are in first place. But Baker Mayfield's the quarterback. You never know what you're gonna get from Baker Mayfield. I'm a fan of him, but it, I'm I'm hanging in there. I'm struggling to be stay a fan of him with sometimes. Um, so I think you got a good shot there to to get a road win, but. Um, it, it is. I, I get the the overall point, though, is, is the general concern of being able to go on the road and beat a good team on the road, especially in tough circumstances like this. And, and you know, I, I understand why someone would have a take like that. But at the same time, like, you can beat Washington. You can beat whichever NFC South team it is. And you can beat the Dolphins, too, honestly. Like, it, it's just from an environment standpoint, playing in Miami, way better than playing in Buffalo in the middle of December.
1: Now, B1, couldn't we say that, let's say, playing at Miami, potentially wild card at Tampa Bay, warmer weather games, but does this loss give you any sort of confidence where if the Cowboys were to go on the road in Philadelphia, let's say, for the second round of the playoffs, if it got that far, does that give you any confidence where if they need to play a physical game, now this is going to be late December, um, you know, I'm actually into January, you know, it's going to get cold. Uh, Being a a Northeast resident, it gets cold especially around the Philadelphia area. So does that give you any sort of confidence where when it all matters, this team won't really be up to the task?
2: No, I think, I think we'll be, I think the Cowboys will be up to the task. I think, I think this game was one of those where they, you know, they, they were on a great winning streak five games in a row. And I feel like they needed to get punched in the mouth to, to come back to earth. And I feel like, you know, for me, like you know, as as a sports fan, like it doesn't matter if it's basketball, football, whatever the case may be. If you're rolling, like as a basketball fan, if your team's doing really good, and you know you're you go into the NCAA tournament and you you know you're you haven't lost a game in a while, chances are you're probably going to lose a game in the tournament. So in the in early in the tournament. So when I look at the like when I look at like the Cowboys game, I compare it to like a top tier team in the NCAA basketball before the tournament where they lose a game. They maybe shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have lost, but it gives them time to reset. Okay. What are we doing? We got complacent here, fix the problem and then go on a run. I've seen it before where teams like that and, in, 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 in the NCAA tournament have made deep runs because they got beat by a team. They're not supposed to get beat by, I don't care what anybody says. They should not have lost to the Buffalo Bills yesterday. The Buffalo Bills are, I don't care, I know the scoreboard says one thing, but the, the Dallas Cowboys, player for player, are a better team than, than the Buffalo Bills. The difference is, the Buffalo Bills came out and punched them right in the mouth, right out of the gate. I think the first mistake of the game was when, it was, on the, it was the coin toss. Go get the ball. Take the ball, go on offense, and go get it. Like go get some points because what I've learned about the Dallas Cowboys team this year that does still make me nervous, where they can't, you know, they they have a possibility where they, you know, when it, when the going gets tough, you know, they might just crumble like they did against the Bills. They they literally just, you know, they took it right on the chin, right on that first drive. I mentioned it in the beginning. They that first drive, James Cook was stopped at like the forty-seven yard line, thing, whatever it was. A, I think it was the forty-seven yard line. And he got it, like, his team just pushed him, like, seven, eight yards down the field. Like, to me, the Cowboys are not, they're not built enough to get punched in the mouth right at the get-go and then come back swinging. They're the team that has to come in and lay the punches first and put the gas down. So I think the first mistake was you you needed to take the ball. And shove it down their throats first, and that's that was my take. And, and and you know, going back and watching the you know watching the film because obviously I was in person, so it was a different vantage point. But going back and watching the film that I did today, you know, that's that was the that was the issue that I saw. It was they should have taken the ball first and done it. Now here's the other issue, and it comes on Mike McCarthy. I know Halman does a great job with McCarthy Chronicles every week. Always read it, guys. Anybody anybody that uh, you know follows us, you gotta read those. Always great content from. From uh, you know our boy Hamlin here with, M- with McCarthy. But speaking of McCarthy, what the heck was he doing? A third and one, down 18. Yeah, let's just take a deep shot. Like, no, the conditions are bad. Literally, I know this because I was there. The conditions were not great. Run the freaking ball. Like the problem that I had was I felt like I felt like McCarthy. It wasn't one of his better games as, as a coach. Like. You see Donovan Wilson and and, uh, when when Diggs fumbled it, that wasn't, you know, they didn't, you know, obviously it would never, it never came to fruition. The Buffalo got, you know, kept the drive alive and they scored. If you see your team, you know, you see the body language. Diggs knows he fumbled it because he's telling his guys, let's get, you know, let's get on the ball here. And, you know, and you see Don Wilson and the rest of the Cowboys defense sitting there like, Hey, like we've, you know, we recover the ball. Why didn't Mike McCarthy call a timeout there? Like to me, and, and I saw I saw Danny Phantom on there. One of our great one of our great colleagues at Blogging the Boys. He put it out there, and people were you know going ahead like, oh, you'd be mad if you know if you call the timeout and then lost the challenge. Honestly, not at that point of the game. I agree with Danny on that one. So I, I got to give Danny Phantom some props because I would rather take it the t- I would rather burn the timeout, see what happens because that that was that that could have been a momentum changer, and it really that to me like. McCarthy McCarthy should have, should have been better there on that and, and to me like I, I felt like we got punched in the mouth the entire game and I felt like McCarthy you know they were talking extension earlier in the week I think they need to take that off the table right now until he gets his gets his stuff together I do think I do think this is a this is a game that was needed I feel like sometimes you got to come back to earth a little bit and get punched in the mouth because I feel like it's gonna make them a stronger team but they have things to fix if they're going to face a team like this, where James Cook runs for almost a, you know he runs for almost 180 yards, you have to make changes. That small alignment where I, and I love Marquise Bell. You guys know that. I wrote an article about him last year about how much I like Marquise Bell. When you have a smaller lineup in there on defense and James Cook is just running through you and gashing you, Ty Johnson was doing the same thing. You got to make changes. Like I mean, and it's also on Dan Quinn. I would have liked to see them make an in-game adjustment where they run, you know, even if they go back to some old school 46 defense or like a or like a five down lineman because they were like they were getting bullied all game long and I felt like there was a lot of adjustments that could have been made that is on the coaching staff and that to me that that needs to you know hopefully they can get that you know corrected it's a different game in Miami the weather's going to be different but at the end of the day you, you see that you see the issues that you're having where the Bills The Bills literally, they, Josh Allen completed seven passes for 94 yards and they put 31 points up. That's crazy to me. That just tells you how, how much they, how much the bills were like, we're going to run it right down their freaking throats because they can't stop us. And guess what? They were right. They dominated us all game. So, you know, I, I think that the coaching staff, that was a wake up call. I think. I think they fix it, and I, I feel like going into Miami, I think it's going to be – I think I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I really do. I don't think they're going to have back-to-back losses. I do think we're going to walk – we're going to leave Miami with 11-4 record.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
3: I gotta I gotta push back on the the challenge thing real quick because um, I know that that was like a whole controversy and everyone was going through it. Um, I, I just want to offer a, a different perspective on 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 that. Um, and there was actually a tweet from Nick Eatman, who also he he covers the Cowboys with, you know, the actual Dallas Cowboys uh, website. He he tweeted during the game or shortly thereafter. He said, uh, "Just so you know, we're getting the exact same feed from Fox that they get upstairs. They never showed a replay of the Digs fumble until after the next snap." That's why the Bills rushed up to the line to snap it. Point being, I mean, the Cowboys have a whole setup on their staff. They have assistant coaches who are specifically dedicated to, you know, watching the footage as they get it to to say, like, oh, we saw something here. Like, we we should challenge this. And this is the whole process that they have that every single coaching staff has in place to say, like, we're not going to throw the challenge flag unless we actually know what we're challenging. And so McCarthy even said, you know, in in his press conference on Monday is like, I had the flag in my hand. We couldn't get a look at the film in time to to figure out what the situation was. And, you know, everybody on Twitter was saying, well, if the offense is hurrying up to the ball, you know, that's a dead giveaway. But, I mean, any time that there's a play like that where it's kind of close, the offense is going to hurry up to the ball. That doesn't – the players didn't know whether or not he actually fumbled it. They just knew there was, you know, potential for him to challenge. So, you know, if McCarthy throws a challenge flag there without knowing what's going on and it ends up not being something that can be overturned, then everyone's going to come at him for, you know, making an ill-informed Ill- decision and getting played by the bills. And if he takes a timeout and then they review it, they challenge it, and they still don't get the call because, you know, sometimes we see it on on the film and say, "There's, they're clearly going to overturn this," and then they don't. Well, then you've lost a challenge, you've lost two timeouts just like that. So, you know, you, you could say like, "Yeah, he should have he should have been more aggressive on trying to do that," but at the same time, like these are all the different thoughts that are going through your mind with zero information, concrete information to act on in the span of a couple of seconds. So, you know, it's, it's really, it's easy for us to like look back in hindsight and having seen the, we play right after and been like, Oh yeah, he should have done that. But they didn't have the information. They didn't have the time to, to get the correct information. And th- those are some of those, like we talk about bang, bang plays in the NFL. That's a kind of a bang, bang play for the coach. So, I mean, it would have been nice if he challenged it, but at the same time, like the very next play when they ran up to the line, Mozzie Smith gets a sack. Like they back him up nine yards. Very next play, they give up a penalty, give up the first down. Like your defense still has to make a stop, even if you don't get the breaks that go your way. So, um, you know, it, that to me, of of all the other plays that happened in this game, that was minuscule in the grand scheme of things because this defense wasn't stopping anybody. You know, even if they got that one play, the next time they went out on the field, they showed that they were incapable of stopping anybody.
1: And I do believe that playing, in, I was going to say really quick, just because we'll, we'll move on to the other uh, statements here. But um, I do think that in a situation like that, it could be a case where Mike McCarthy, it, it's an un familiar environment it's not at t Stadium we have the giant jumbotron above you and stuff so when you're looking around trying to see okay is the replay booth going to show it on the screen maybe not so much from from Fox from a coach's angle but um it, I I thought they that's an efficient offense it's a veteran offense where if they know something's kind of iffy whether the call was a fumble or not let's get up to the line let's call a snap and like to your point howman you know Bozzy smith got the sack and then all of a sudden they're backed up on second down and it actually plays against the bills and what what happened so um it was just unfortunate the cowboys just weren't disciplined the penalty of course you can say was maybe ticky tack uh for what it was but the next statement that the grinch wants to tell is that the 2023 draft class might be the worst under will mcclay Uh, speaking about Mozzie Smith, I think there's been a lot of talk about Mozzie and his lack of development. I have my own personal take on it. I think it's a little harsh and a little too soon to, to call it quits on Mozzie. Uh, but in his first start, uh, without Hankins in the lineup, he actually had, I think it was the third best PFF grade on the team for defense. But again, that's where sometimes maybe the grade doesn't match up with the tape. There were certainly some rough moments. I thought he had some great moments as well. But when it came to stopping the run, Howman, is that something that you agree with where, you know, when you look at the draft class as a whole, Mozzie Smith might not have been the best defensive tackle to take. And then also, too, when you look at the second round with someone like a Schoonmaker, maybe they take the offensive guard instead in Osiris Torrance. And then maybe you have a different discussion about maybe where the offensive line is in the trenches with having him come in instead of someone like a TJ Bass.
3: Yeah, I I have to completely wholeheartedly disagree. Um, for one, Mozzie Smith played great in this game. I mean, he he when, when to your point, he was one of the the highest graded players uh, at, at PFF. That was that was not one of those situations where you look at the player grade and go like, that doesn't match at all what I saw. Like this run defense, to be clear, it, it would have been better if Hankins was playing, but it wouldn't have changed a thing really because every other player except for mozzie smith and really demarcus lawrence on this defense none of them showed up to play except for those two guys and that that's a huge problem if you look at uh, on nfl's next gen stats website they have like a, a really helpful chart graphic of like all of james cook's runs and you see all of his big runs of like five yards or more they're all coming outside like he was not running at mozzie smith he was not running up the gut he was getting the ball he was going outside he was a lot of times they were targeting Micah Parsons and, you know, Micah Parsons, phenomenal pass rusher. This was probably his worst game as a run defender in his whole career. They they just ran right at him. They were taking advantage in much the same way that the Cardinals did in week three of his aggressive over pursuit, trying to get to the quarterback. And they were able to just kind of go around him and then cut up the field. And they got offensive linemen on Marquise Bell down the field on Donovan Wilson down the field. And they just, you know, they, they just absolutely dashed him over and over and over. But it, it had nothing to do with Mozzie Smith. You know, there there were a couple of, of reps where he, that he had that weren't necessarily his best, but you're going to get that when you're a rookie that's not used to playing that amount of snaps in a game, suddenly playing that and doing it on the road in an, uh, an unfamiliar environment. But, I mean, he's he's played well in his limited snaps this year. He just hasn't played a whole lot. Um, as for the rest of this rookie class, that's kind of the same deal as we haven't seen them play, but it's not necessarily because they're all bad. It's you just have a really good team, and and that's I think a lot of people kind of get uh, stressed about this rookie class because it's like, well, most of them are healthy scratches. They're inactive. They're hardly playing, and it's like, well, coming into this season, what what were the the areas where you really felt like a rookie was going to come in and actually step up? I mean, this is a team that two straight twelve win seasons, back to back playoff appearances. This is a good team, and, and most of the moves that they made in the offseason were bringing in veterans like Stefan Gilmore, Brandon Cooks to step up so that they didn't have to fill them with rookies. And really, the one spot, I mean, you you talk about like tight end, they drafted Luke Schoonmaker. Of course, he had a, a late start to training camp, and then Jake Ferguson just absolutely took off. So, um, you know, that's, that's not going to be an area for a rookie to really come in and make a difference. And then kicker where they've had a really phenomenal rookie in Brandon Aubrey who who came in and did everything and more that they were hoping for. But as far as these other guys, like, you don't want to see awesome Richards playing right now. You don't want to see TJ Bass playing right now. Um, you know, Deuce Vaughn, they kind of tried to give him a little bit of a role early on and he showed he wasn't quite ready for it, but they've also been fine at running back. Tony Pollard's getting better each week. Um, I mean, th- this is – they, this was a draft that was largely going to be guys to to provide depth and then develop for future use. So it makes sense that you're not seeing a whole lot of them. Um, and Mazi, in Mozzie's case, like, he is seeing the field just not very much, so it's easy to overlook his accomplishments, but I like what we've seen from him.
1: Yeah, and, and similarly, in a similar question, um, or statement rather, uh, by another Grinch online, B1 to you, uh, another Grinch said, the Cowboys' defense has not been built to stop the run. They're only trying to take the ball away and intercept passes, play fast. But when it comes to playing physical, they're not built to be a physical defense. What do you say to that? I
2: agree with that, actually. I think that's a pretty good assessment. I mean, I was I was going back and watching the film. There was one sequence where the undersized Cowboys, which that's the thing. like We're, you know— I think against the Dolphins with the way the Cowboys defense is built, I think we'll be fine because we're going to be, we're more of a speed, a uh, speed defense versus a, you know, a big physical defense. We don't have a traditional, you know, 250 pound middle linebacker. Like we just, that's not, that's not in our DNA. That's not how our team is built. So that, you know, that, that, you know, that person's you know point is, you know, that's, I think it's very valid. And there was a play in the third quarter where offensive lineman, Dion Dawkins uh, for the Buffalo Bills, I call it the Michael Orr. if you guys have seen the, uh, you know, the blind slide. he, he took Damone Clark on a ride for like 20 yards. Like it was, it was, uh, it was a clinic and, you know, and of course, you know, you know, Damone Clark's not, you know, he's a big guy compared to us because we're all normal human beings, but um, you know, Deion Dawkins is a big, you know, he's a really big guy. And that just proves my point that we, you know, if if they, I'm not saying if if the guy was 250, 260 pounds, like old school linebackers that we used to see in the league He's getting pushed that far down the field. I, you know, I could see him still getting pushed, but like he rode him down the field. And to me, like it, I felt like we got bullied. I feel like it was—it's a combination of yes, the the we're a we're more of a turnover savvy defense, which is good when you're getting turnovers. When you're getting turnovers, that's the catalyst to these big blowouts. We had that we had that blowout early in the season against the Giants, and Dak didn't have to do anything, and people were like, "What's wrong with Dak?" We didn't have to use Dak because we got a lot of turnovers. When the turnovers are coming, the the Cowboys' defense are magically they're the best defense in the league. That's what happens when you get turnovers. It just it makes everything just flow. You're getting a good field position for your offense. You're doing this, that, and the other thing. But when you're not getting turnovers, and then when the going gets tough, the Cowboys' defense, I feel like in many ways, and I'm just going to say it, they're soft. And I, I, you know what? And I'm just going to say it. I, you know, put I'm putting it out there. You get you know, cut make a promo out of it. I don't care. I just—they're soft, and, and to me, I just—I feel like—and—and it, and it's not because the—you know—we have some great players. Obviously, we have Micah Parsons, we have Tank Lawrence, we have—you know—we have all these great players. So Stephon Gilmore, like this, this defense is good, but what is really rearing its ugly head, and it's going back to that draft class a little bit, is we don't—we—you we, know—we—I I think overshown is we're—we're we're missing him. I feel like he. He does some things that he, he he lays he lays into guys a little bit differently. He has a physical game about him that I feel like he's missing. Yeah, he's not the biggest guy, but I feel like he he's a very physical player. Now the other problem is we lost Leighton Vanderash. He was our true middle linebacker. He was a normal sized linebacker by stand, by you know by normal standards. The Cowboys are playing with essentially safeties right now. Like these guys are like a, you know, like Marquise Bell in most situations he's probably playing safety you know or or a cornerback like that's just he's just not you know he's not normally you know he's not a built for that position but he's done a heck of a job he throws his weight around he's 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 a he's a he's a missile in there but the problem is and i saw it on i saw it on sunday where dawson knox just put his anchors on him and just said all right marquise you're out of the play bud and that was it like if you have a 250 pound linebacker in that situation with you know against a guy like Dawson Knox or uh, or Staber guy uh, Kincaid there, you know, Kincaid, we know Kincaid's not that great of a blocker, but and that's kind of a bad example. But um, you know, if it's a 250 pound linebacker in that situation, I can tell you right now, Knox or any, any of those tight ends, they're not they're not gonna push to push them around. I think the size, the size kind of came back to to bite the you know, bite the cowboys in the rear end. Now it's on tape and this is what has to happen. They got to make some changes. I don't think it has to be necessarily, all right, we need to bring in, you know, some 250-pound linebacker to make it work. It's you could just scheme it differently. And like I mentioned earlier, run run a more of a, you know, like an old school 46 kind of defense. Like the, you know, I know I know it's like yeah, the game's different from 1985 with the Bears. I understand that. But if a team is gashing you on the run, you might want to have that in your package even run, even run a five down, you know, line in front where you, you know, even if, it, you know, even if you have Micah Parsons and tank Lawrence on one side and you have three interior, you know, uh, defensive linemen. So you have three essentially D tackles, like an Osa Digizua in there and Mozzie Smith, you know, even like a Chauncey Golston, you have those guys in there. I feel like that'll shut down the run game. And that's the thing. And I made that point earlier, Josh Allen threw for, he threw seven, he completed seven passes. He threw the ball only 15 times. That's not Josh Allen, guys. Like Josh Allen can throw the ball pretty darn good. They they knew what they were doing. They came out there with a game plan. Sean McDermott and his coaching staff, for whatever whatever you want to say about them, with everything that we've you know everything that happened, the reports that are coming out about different things about the locker room and all that. They came out and played. They bullied the Cowboys, and it, it's just the way it was. And that defense, that Cowboys defense, looked really soft on on Sunday. And, and and it's it's on tape. So the Cowboys need to figure this out or everybody else is going to do it. And it's not going to be pretty.
1: And I do think that the Bills made an effort to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hand because they know that the Cowboys are opportunistic with turnovers. And they know Josh Allen has been having a lot of turnovers this year. And it's like Dan Quinn and maybe the, de- the defense had a plan for, OK, if we're going to be beat, we're going to be beat by James Cook. You know, maybe they didn't have as much faith in James Cook beating them, even though the narrative and everybody was saying like, no, he's a very explosive player, very underrated, very underutilized. And now under this regime of Joe Brady, switching offensive coordinators, he's been used a lot more. He's, he loves James Cook. They were talking about that in the broadcast and how they think of him as a centerpiece of the offense. And to me, it's like, that's why, like I said, the Buffalo Bills are a very, very good team. They shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, I always thought that heading into the year that, that the Cowboys would lose this game, but you figured maybe you catch the Bills, on their heels a little bit, you know, with their struggling season. There's a lot of tension seemingly in the locker room. They fired their offensive coordinator. Maybe all things would kind of fall into place where of all the years to beat Buffalo, this would be the one for the Cowboys to kind of catch them at a good time. It just didn't work out because... James Cook was like Barry Sanders, and like you're saying, just the physicality, the difference between their offensive line and the Cowboys' defensive line, it just didn't look like that the game plans were were matching up. And like you said, scheme things up a little differently. I was looking, Rashawn Evans only had 11 snaps on defense all game. So they wanted to go light, I think, a little bit more because they thought maybe Josh Allen would try and run a little bit more, maybe throw a little bit more. But unfortunately, it just didn't work out that way. And maybe you change things up, and I know Dan Quinn talked about that tackling and takeaways are – Bread and butter of the defense, and we need to get better in those areas. I know the Cowboys had uh, a season high in missed tackles, I think, with maybe 12, uh, the most they've missed since the San Francisco 49ers game. So it really was bad all around. Um, I'll get to this last statement before we close out here, and it's looking ahead to next week where uh, this one final Grinch comment says, the, Well, actually, there's two here. I'll go with this one. Um, thinking out loud, that's always good for a podcast. Uh, if the Cowboys lose to Miami, detroit and in the divisional round let's say they get through the wild card round but they lose to philadelphia or san francisco seemingly all on the road except for detroit uh mike mccarthy and dan quinn should no longer be a part of the dallas cowboys so that not only means getting rid of mike mccarthy but that means starting over of course with dan quinn as the defensive coordinator no longer being here Hammond, what do you say about that if they lose those two games and then lose in the divisional round. They get past the wild card, but you know you're finishing out the year losing to uh, the Bills to Miami. We'll see what happens with Washington in the scenario. But what what do you think about that?
3: Well, I, I think uh, first of all, I hope that doesn't happen. Second of all, if it does, you already know every single headline just like back in the day, like we always got like the John Gruden stories and then all the Sean Payton stories. The new thing is going to be Bill Belichick is everyone's going to say, Hey man, he's available. Like, let's go get Bill Belichick, a guy that can't win without Tom Brady and is running, you know, and now such an outdated offense that even Jason Garrett's like, man, that's bad. Um, So I'm not, I'm not looking forward to that alternate reality where that's a thing that, that we have to put up with. But um, no, I, I'm not going to agree with the Grinch on this one. Um, I've been a, A Mike McCarthy uh, fan and defender uh, pretty much since since he showed up Um, I I do want to say for the record I that was not my preferred choice for the Cowboys when they made that hire everyone knows I was on the Dan Campbell train Um, still think as much as I love what McCarthy has done I think probably Campbell would have been better but that's a different conversation Uh, maybe we can talk about that when they play the Lions in a couple weeks but uh, every I liked everything that we've seen from McCarthy. And just talking about, I mean, three straight playoff appearances, back-to-back 12-win season, a chance to make it three straight. These are things that haven't been done since Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer in the 90s. Like, the the, the consistency that McCarthy has brought to this team is something that this franchise does not have, has not had. And that's with, that's with Bill Parcells coming in. That's with experienced coaches like Wade Phillips. That's with guys like Jason Garrett who played there in the 90s and, like, were literally on the team when they last had that kind of consistent success. None of these guys were able to replicate that. McCarthy has brought that. Dan Quinn has brought, you know, consistency for the most part on defense. Obviously, they, you know, haven't had their their best performance the last few weeks. Um, but, I mean, you, you can say, you know, Super Bowl or bust, but at the same time, you look around at all these other teams that, you know, fire coaches so quickly. You look at the Panthers, I mean – You know, with Matt Rule, like, they everyone thought, you know, they got the the bell of the ball when they got Matt Rule out of Baylor. Didn't go so well. Then they bring in Frank Reich, and when they hired Frank Reich, everyone was like, oh, man, he was so good in Indianapolis. Like, they finally got their guy. Didn't even make it through the first season. Like, there are so many examples of teams that move on too quickly from their coaches because they think they should be doing better. And very, very rarely do they actually end up doing better. They just create more instability for the franchise and the Cowboys finally have stability. They finally have consistent success. They finally have, you know, three straight playoff appearances now. And I get that, you know, going going and being, you know, one and one in the playoffs and having a disappointing finish to the season would not be ideal and there would need to be some changes. But to completely change the whole regime, fire your offen- fire your head coach who's now your offensive coordinator de facto. Get rid of your defensive coordinator – like, that's, that's talking about a complete regime change for this organization after their three best years since their dynasty years of the 90s. I just, I don't think that's a wise decision. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't recommend it.
1: Yeah, to your point, um, RJ Ochoa put out the tweet that the only coaches in Cowboys history to take the, the team back-to-back-to-back to back to back playoff berths is Tom Landry, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, Mike McCarthy. I mean, just think about that gap. Like, that's that's a decades-long gap between Barry Switzer and Mike McCarthy and all the coaches that they had, how long Jason Garrett was here. I think it shouldn't be forgotten that this team has gotten better every single year under Mike McCarthy. There's a lot more consistency, stability. I always say, and I say this throughout life, this isn't just in Cowboys philosophy. Like The grass is not always greener on the other side. You look at the New York Jets and what they're going through right now, where they put all their chips into the center of the table for Aaron Rodgers and Yeah, the season didn't turn out the way that they wanted to from the from the get go. But look at the ripple effect of how now they have to figure out if they're tied to Nathaniel Hackett for another year, tied to Robert Sala for another year, tied to the GM because Aaron Rodgers might want that for the team. And it's just you look at sometimes when you hedge your bet towards something to something like a Bill Belichick, maybe that that you hope that he could bring playoff success, Super Bowl success. Well, if Bill Belichick comes in, you don't know if that dynamic's going to work out well where he might not want to run the team the same way that Jerry Jones does and Will McClay and all that. It's just everything's going well right now. It's it's easy to forget that when this is an embarrassing loss. But again, you learn a lot more about your team and who you are from these types of losses. You mentioned B1 at the top that the Cowboys should learn from this and get better. Sometimes it's almost necessary to lose a game like this. And just like the Cowboys offense improved after the 49ers game, maybe the defense comes back into form and kind of can prove things a little bit more and showing that this is not who they are. Uh, But to just get rid of your offensive coordinator, head coach, and defensive coordinator, because maybe the season doesn't go the way that you want, to me, that just shows a lack of stability and structure and really doesn't look appealing for a lot of the rest of the veterans that you're trying to sign long-term. I mean, Dak Prescott is at his best season under Mike McCarthy throughout his entire career this year. Mike Parsons has been a revelation under Dan Quinn. CeeDee Lamb has gotten better each and every season after being drafted by Mike McCarthy. What does that show to the locker room when you're changing things all of a sudden? I don't necessarily agree with that. and I think the future of the team will actually be hurt by that a little bit more. And I don't think that it's going in that direction. We heard the report, as mentioned before, that Mike McCarthy might be extended by the end of this season. Um, But I do think a lot of things have to play towards that. But I think there's more confidence in him being around next year than not. Um, B1, what do you say about that?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm in the minority. And uh, you know, yeah. I, and here's the thing: to to split it up a little bit, I'm, I'm I, I half, I guess, partially agree with the the Grinch, because uh, you guys know where I feel how I feel about Dan Quinn. Uh, so I mean, for me, I would take it one step further and say, you know, if if McCarthy cannot get these boys out of the divisional round, then I think Dan Dan Quinn should take the post of head coach. Now we all know that's not happening. Like that's like that's that's just me and my you know. Fantasy booking it. So to speak Jerry Jones, you know, is already in there. They've already the tea leaves are out there You can read between them and say hey, you know what the extensions coming We know Mike McCarthy is gonna be the coach no matter what happens in, in 2024 like that's I think that's pretty much a given Unless there's like this crazy collapse, which I don't see that happening um, But you know to that to that Grinch's point for me personally I, I, Yeah, it's great 12 and 5 12 and 5 we're currently 10 and 4 but the problem is, you know, as you know, as a Cowboys fan, you know, and, and I am the elder statesman of the group, so I, you know, I have tasted Super Bowl victories in my lifetime, and I, you know, I've actually been able to watch and I remember them, so I am old enough to do that. Uh, you know, to me, it's been a long time, long time coming. I was literally in elementary school the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl against those Pittsburgh Steelers. Larry Brown, that great pick against Neil O'Donnell, like I'll never forget it. I know exactly where I was. It, it's you get to a point where okay, great. We, we get to the playoffs, but while we're here, why don't we go win a Super Bowl? And I, you know, that's great. We get to, we get to these games, but we need to start winning these games. And, and for me, I've said it and I'm not going to back off of this. You guys, you know, you guys have heard me on this show, the round tables throughout the year. If if Mike McCarthy isn't in the NFC championship this year, to me, that's, that's with the talent on this team that, that, you know, that to me is enough to say, you know what, Thank you for your service. Uh, we'll see you later. I know that's not happening. Like that's just my my thoughts on it. I, I partially agree with the Grinch. And Dan Quinn will write the ship. I know this was a tough game against the Buffalo Bills. So and I jokingly say, yeah, let's move Dan Quinn up to the to, to the higher post. But like who I mean, and right now who who's out there that you'd want? I don't want Bill Belichick. Bill should just right off in the sunset with all the money he's made and just call it a day. So I think right now, I think I think it's more so the contract extension talks are happening but also Mike McCarthy is a quality coach so there's nothing i have nothing you know nothing negative to say about Mike McCarthy as a coach he's a quality coach so to me who do, who do you bring in that you're like okay like the team what we have you know Mike McCarthy got us to the additional round what coach is out there right now that's going to get us to the super bowl that's a, that's a tough debate but for me as a cowboys fan putting my fan hat on as a part of cowboys nation it's to me, you need to, you need to take, you got to progress. Like, great. You get 12 and five, you 12 and five. You need to get to super bowls. Like that's we're America's team. Like we, you know, unfortunately we haven't been there all this time since you, before you guys were born. Like I, you know, I was a little kid at that point. Like it gets to a point where Jerry Jones, he's getting up there in age. He might get to the point where, and I know it's not happening at this stage, but he could get to this point and say, no, I want more. And that's that's where I'm at with, with the whole McCarthy, Dan Quinn situation. If anything, Mike McCarthy goes before Dan Quinn. That's just my take based on a firing situation. Dan Quinn's probably gone first because I do think at some point in the near future, Dan Quinn's going to get a, another head coaching gig somewhere. I just had that feeling.
3: Real quick, while we're talking about Dan Quinn, since Chris isn't here to defend his guy, I got to take my <laughs> shot. Because his <laughs> last week, and honestly, this might be the real reason Chris didn't show up is because of that that defensive performance. And he's just like, I can't defend him after that one. <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to see. Because um, last week, Chris said, like, you know, basically, I'll I'll never criticize Quinn because, you know, he's, he's just given us so much after suffering through the Rod Marinelli defenses and the one really bad year under Mike Nolan. I just got to put this out there. James Cook was the first time that the Cowboys have given up 200 scrimmage yards and two touchdowns to one player in one game since 2012. Do you guys remember who the defensive coordinator was in 2012?
1: Was that Monty Kiffin? Or no, was- that was that was a
3: year before. That was Rob Ryan.
0: Oh, okay. Rob Ryan, yeah. oh yeah. All the
3: way back in Rob Ryan's day. So yeah. the, oh. the, the, Dan, the Dan Quinn defense, <laughs> and again, like – I, I joke. I love Dan Quinn. I love what he's done for this defense. Uh, there's a couple issues that I have with his defense that, you know, are just features of the scheme that, that are problematic in games like this or when you play San Francisco. But since I got to get my shots off when I can, his defense just did something that Rod Marinelli's defense never did. Mike Nolan's defense, as terrible as it was, never did. Not even Monty Kiffin for that one year that he was like asleep up in the coach's box during games. He didn't even do that. This this goes all the way back to Rob Ryan levels of bad. So, you know, and and again, it's one game. The the larger body of work overall suggests Dan Quinn is a good coach. But if we're talking about moving on from McCarthy for Dan Quinn, like, you know, the the defense has overall been more, you know, more disappointing throughout this year uh, and had bigger letdowns than the offense has. And also, if we're just talking about their resumes as a head coach, one of them won a Super Bowl. One of them had the most embarrassing loss in Super Bowl history. So, yeah, you can go back and forth there. But uh, no, I, I think both of these coaches give them a good chance to win. When you've got McCarthy as the head coach and offense play caller, and, and they have progressed on on offense with him as the play caller too. I think Dan Quinn gives you a good shot as as the defensive coordinator. They should stick with stick with what's working.
1: And I think to your point, Halman, uh, like. Because you mentioned the Rob Ryan reference, I think that also shows how rare this is for Cowboys where this isn't in their DNA. It's not shown every year where, oh, this happens once a year. I mean, it does in a sense where, you know, you look at the Denver game in 2021 last year at Washington. And to me, if this happened, like I felt worse last year. At the end of the season, to see the egg that they laid in Washington against an inferior opponent Uh, when you're trying to play your starters, get tuned up before the playoffs Um, in a road environment in bad weather, like similar to what you could have gotten in Tampa Bay, um, depending on how the weather was down there. Like that to me had me more worried and spooked about the Cowboys entering the playoffs than this necessarily does. I just think the Buffalo Bills were on a heater. I think that they were playing really well. Um, And I think. The Dan Quinn deserves the benefit of the doubt to improve the defense and see what it is going forward. Now, if they don't do as well this week coming up against Miami and then the following week against Detroit, then I think you're really starting to have issues where it's, it's unfixable at this point because the trade deadline is gone. Players who are unhealthy are not coming back outside of maybe Jonathan Hankins, but even that could be a stretch. We'll see about that. It's just nothing is going to save you at this point where you could say, okay, let's go out and sign somebody. Well, you did that already with Rashawn Evans. You tried doing that in in an older Shaq Leonard, but maybe something should have been done at the trade deadline. But those are the guys that you traded for originally in a Brandon Cooks into Stephon Gilmore. It's just maybe linebacker wasn't more of an issue than it needed to be. Jamar Overshone, of course, was probably going to be playing a bigger part in this team's plans on defense. And just, again, injuries play a factor. It happens. So he just isn't a part of it. So maybe they were just caught – um, empty-handed at that point. So we'll see. I we'll see where the next two weeks go for the Cowboys. I think the next two weeks will be more telling about this team than what we just saw in Buffalo, which of course, that's sort of a cliche thing to say. Um, but I do believe that that with whatever happens in Miami and against Detroit, those are both high-powered offenses. If the Cowboys can't kind of collect themselves a little bit, one on the road in a warmer environment and one at home, then I think we can look at the next podcast after that, you know, right before new year's or after new year's and say, Hey guys, you know what? Maybe this isn't really going to work out anymore with McCarthy and Dan Quinn, but we'll, we'll leave that up for the future. Um, of course, we're actually not going to be talking to you guys next week. Um, we're going to be off for the holidays. I believe maybe if that, and then we'll, we'll figure everything out on our end. But um, if we don't talk to you between now and then enjoy all the holidays and all these things, enjoy the Cowboys game against the dolphins. Of course you could follow all of us on Twitter, social media, all the stuff we do on bloggingtheboys.com. And stay up to date with everything, of course, with a few injuries, people going down in the game, stay up to date with everything on bloggingtheboys.com. So for David Hellman, Brandon Clements, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of the Writer's Block. And as always, go Cowboys and happy holidays.